Hi, this is Chris Heaton with Standing Before the Mass podcast. Uh, first, I want to apologize for the gap between my last episode and this one, but as is the case in Newport and the marine industry, both myself and my guests uh, who all work in the industry suddenly get very, very busy very quickly, um, and it's hard to line up with people, but uh, I'm really appreciative that John Herschler, the owner-operator and entrepreneur behind Sight Sailing of Newport, took the time to meet with me, and we got together on a Tuesday evening, so if you hear a little background noise, I believe that's the Tuesday night racers coming back to the Newport Yacht Club after an evening on the water. Um, Actually, it provides for some decent atmosphere, but John has a great story to tell. He talks about how he first got started. Uh, with one ensign sailing on Newport Harbor and Narragansett Bay, taking people out for tours. Uh, I remember John from the late 80s, early 90s, and he just grew his company. And uh, now he's got a fleet of boats, and he's even got a big schooner that can accommodate quite a crowd. Uh, But John isn't one to uh, get lost in the glory. He still understands what it's like to run a business and get his hands dirty. And he talks about spring yard work. Um, It's a great chat, and I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. John is the owner-operator of Sight Sailing of Newport. They take folks out on tours around the harbor and the bay. And John's going to tell us a little bit about how he got started and what they do. John, welcome. Sure. Thanks, Chris. Um, well, so brief history of sight sailing. Um, I started it in 1990. Um, I was working up in Providence and decided I wanted to start a business. So. Um, there wasn't really, there was only one other company in Newport that was offering um, ticketed day sales of the harbor, and that company uh, was out on Goat Island, and they're still in business. Um, but there wasn't anyone along the waterfront in Newport offering, you know, regularly scheduled... Uh, downtown. Downtown, waterfront. yeah, that you could just pay, you know, $20 or $25 and get out on a boat. There were people that were doing charters where you could, you know, charter a sailboat for half a day or something and spend $500. But anyway, so... Um, I uh, started, like, you know, looking, researching around the waterfront and looking for an appropriate spot, and um, I was really, really lucky. I stumbled upon Bowen's Wharf and was fortunate enough to meet Bart Dunbar, Yep. and uh, he was interested in my idea, and I said, uh, well, I have a Pearson Ensign, and... Uh, and has a big cockpit, and Bart was sort of like, "Are you sure that's the right boat?" And I said, "Well, it better be. I think it'll work." So, was that the famous orange? Ensign? Yeah, it was the famous orange ensign, which I still have. It's now it's now maroon. It's just all gripped it, by the way. Um, but anyway, so yeah, it started. Uh, you know, I got a captain's license. I think I had my captain's license already a couple of years before I got it in college, and um, got my girlfriend down there selling tickets and set up shop. Uh, the big hurdle at the time was that you had to uh, get a certificate of public convenience from the Public Utilities Commission, and that's what they, the PUC. Oh, really? Yeah. And Even that, for that type of charter? Yeah, and that kept a lot of people, prevented a lot of people from, like, charging on a per-person basis mm-hmm. and putting up a schedule and whatnot. So I had to go before the PUC and get an attorney and get all these witnesses to testify that you know there was a demand for this type of service. 
and uh, and there were no other companies doing that other than um, maybe there was launch no, or yeah so uh, there was you know there was Viking Tours at the time uh, Old Port of course was in business um, but no one was doing it with a sailboat well there was this one other company Newport mm. Sailing over on Goat Island and uh, but they were sold out all the time and I was able to get some people to testify that they were sold out so um, it took a while um, but I was granted this what's called a certificate of public convenience and then a few years later somebody sued the state of Rhode Island and it was all thrown out the window you didn't need that oh, certificate really? yeah and that sort of opened the floodgates and then a couple of years later Madeline came in and then eventually sure. Adirondack um, but so there's essentially three well there's, a, there's more but there's three major companies that take people take the public out sailing on the waterfront there's sight sailing with a quidnick sight sailor and starlight and then there's Madeline, and you know they have Madeline Rum Runner, and then there's Adirondack, and they have Adirondack and Eleanor. So, and you you differentiate yourself from them a bit, don't you? A little bit. Um, I mean, so we are all sailboats, and we have three boats that people can sail on. We have uh, Starlight, which is an Oday 34, which is sails by private charter only with two to six guests, and um, that's popular with with everyone. That's popular with you know people just looking for a private sail or sailing instruction. And then we have this um, um, sort of unusual, unique design with swept forward spreaders. It's sight right. sailor, and that uh, takes now up to 13 people out, and we do a lot of private charters and public sales, and that's great for people that are looking for something a little bit more lively and action-oriented than a traditional schooner. Right. And then we have the Equidnik, which is like the one-size-fits-all. Yeah. Jam them all. <laughs> Take, try to mop up as many people as you can. And uh, How many guests do you get on each boat? So Equidnik is U.S. Coast Guard certified for 49, and um, Sight Sailor's 13. And, um, you know, it, you know, at the beginning of the season, we're not sold out by any means all the time. But, you know, we sail every day at... Uh, Boats are operating seven days a week, and um, you know we do it. We, we're always growing the corporate charter business. We're always, mm. you know, and wedding pre and post wedding sales are really big on Equidnik. And then of course, like bachelorette parties are just insanely huge. They usually charter right. sight sailor, and um, but you know, so I'm, you know, I I I train all the captains if they're new. I know all the boats extremely well. Um, I'm involved in all aspects of the business from you know hiring and. Yeah, working in the boatyard to uh, you know designing. So over the years, you I looked at your website. The website is yeah. really good, by the Thanks. way. Thanks, we do a lot yeah. of work on yeah. that. Yeah, it looks like you really grew organically over a long period of time. It wasn't like you just jumped into this with four yeah, boats. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, I think if I had started off with a really big boat, I probably would have failed. The overhead would have just been too high. So I did. I definitely started small, and really learned all the ins and outs of. Um, um, of running a business and running that particular business, and then after a, and then after a while, after only like a few years, Sight Sailor, which was called Adventure at the time, mm -hmm. um, and was being operated by um, Norm Kaplan, nice guy. Oh, I remember Norm. Yeah, um, that came on the scene, and and when I got it, I, I leased it and then decided to buy it. And I already knew at the time that wow, I think I could run a bigger boat because people were calling. You know, they'd say, "Hey, we got thirty people, or we have oh, wow. a wedding, mm -hmm. or whatnot. You have a bigger boat." And I was always like, "No, call Madeline, call Madeline, call Madeline." Yeah. And eventually, I was like, "So I would spend every winter." So you had a good working relationship. With yeah, you yeah, you know, hey, we're, 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 yeah, you know, we're all, you know, we're all, we're all friendly competitors down there. No one's knocking one another. We all get along, and because um, it's quite tight. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's it's sort of like you know, dogs fighting yeah. over the scraps in the off season. You know, this this boat's going out with six people, this one's going out with four. But 
eventually at the height of the season, I think we're all pretty busy. Um, I think the market, I think most people think the market's pretty saturated. Right. Uh, it probably is, you know. Um, don't really think there's, you know. Do you have to coordinate your, your times at all with the others, or, or is it enough room to maneuver? Um, so we all, have, we all have our schedules that really um, have been in place for a while, and, uh, you know, we operate three boats, and they all have, like, sort of staggered departure times, and Sight Sailor and Aquidnik share this finger pier, mm-hmm. and Madeline and Rum Runner also share the other side of that finger pier. It's sort of interesting down there on the wharf. It's like the property line is such that... It, Bowen's Wharf owns one side of that little basin where we're at, and yep. Bannister's Wharf owns the other, so other side. So um, you know, um, yeah. So it's it's a coordinated uh, affair. Did, did you have two ensigns at one point? I did. Yeah. So when I, was, when I first started on the harbor, I remembered. I yeah, thought yeah. Seeing two ensigns. So I had my little uh, ensign that I purchased up at Bristol Harbor Marine at the time, and. Uh, then uh, my family, my mom and dad and sister, um, so we grew up sailing in Ensign, and um, I, I was able to, like, strong-arm my dad into basically saying, hey, <laughs> this thing isn't doing anything. It's just sitting out on the mooring. Let me take it and make some money. So I think for a couple of years, yeah. I started out with one Ensign, then I had two Ensigns, started uh, corralling launch drivers, anybody with a license to come work for right. me. And, um, and then Sites Sailor came on the scene. Then, then a Yacht Club member here, Rosalie McClintock, oh, yeah. had a Cal 34. And named That's Enchantress. Right. Yep. And she was like, that boat was just sitting out on the mooring, and she was like, John, take my boat, make some money with it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> it was kind of like, I don't know, we, we didn't, you know, we just had like a totally informal arrangement. Sure. You know, everything was just done on a handshake, and that worked out just fine. And, uh, but then after a while, I was like, you know, I think I should just buy my own 34 foot boat. So then I started looking around for a 34 foot Oh, so the Yoda you have now is not her? No, no, it's not, no connection to her. And then, um, so, so yeah, I just operated with Sight Sailor, and then I had two O-Days for a while. The mix was always changing, but I was, I was always looking for a bigger boat. So every winter I would, like, you know, I'd go down to, I'd see a boat for sale in, like, the Yellow Paper or Yacht World, yep. and I'd be like, wow, I've got to go check this out. And, you know, I'd go, I went all over the United States. I went out to Seattle a couple times, went out to San Francisco, went down to Florida several times, up to Maine, all over, you know, looking at boats that were like usually u.s coast guard certified for passenger carrying sailboats and you know i there would be some beautiful boats but there would be like a you know a john alden design beautiful boat pedigree boat built in 1930 by some venerable yard but you know wood and oh. you know 80 years yeah. old and like there'd be some poor guy out there in the boat yard like saying like well we 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 we, we planked the starboard side this year and next year we're gonna do the and i was, uh, you know and i was just like god i'm not a shipwright and this yeah. is so or i'd find some old steel boat it'll be totally rusted out and yeah. uh, but eventually like um i found the boat that we now have named Aquidnik. Mm-hmm. um and that was in cosmetically rough shape but when i found it it was only a few years old and we really spent a lot of time thinking about it um myself and a good friend of mine who captained for me and um yeah and finally decided to make a move on that boat and uh have you always had good luck with with finding crew and staff uh, or is it been um, a struggle boy that's you know i would have to say that the the three challenges of running this business is probably any business are uh one um yeah you need to be able to uh, uh attract train and retain good staff i think that's true whether you have a you know a tiny business or a big business i mean so attract train and retain staff and then secondly marketing 
and then third. Oh, I forget what the third is. <laughs> but certainly yeah. the first. Yeah, so how do goes we... goes back to your MBA program. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so as far as, like, getting people to... Yeah, so with... Um, with a schooner, it's like we get a lot of people who apply that are on like a, you know, maybe they're in college, they're on the college sailing team or something like that. And I've hired um, hired people like that, and that doesn't always pan out because, boy, sailing, crewing on a Quidnick is a really physical job. You know, right. it's not like you're sailing on a, on a 420 or an FJ or something. I mean, the sails are big, they're heavy. Um, so, and a lot of it is just, you know, having a good personality and having good social skills and um, being able to talk with people. But knowing how to sail is also a big plus. So, um, but then with the other boats, um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you have to have a captain's license, obviously, to captain any of the boats. Um, I'm really fortunate that, you know, I have a great, I, I always manage to put together a really pretty good team and um, team that really likes working with one another, right. you know, that's huge. Um, I mean, like, you know, it's like you're going on a cruise with people and you're going to be on the boat for an extended period. Or you're going to be racing, doing a lot of racing with the same people. Over so, and over again. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you want them. You, you, so when you're hiring people, like, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, well, I think this person will will gel or jive well with this person, mm. you know, and get along. Um, so I haven't always hit it all out of the park in that <laughs> department. You know, yeah, so, some years where it's... Uh, but yeah, so and, and you know, it's seasonal businesses, then they're they're. I mean, they're all all the businesses are tough, but uh, with a seasonal business, you get really pretty good at training. You need to get be able to get people like up to speed quickly, mm. onboard them, you know, train them, show them the ropes, so to speak, and uh, get them up to speed. One of the things I noticed is that you're, well, maybe you do narrate the trip, but you're different because you sail around the harbor, and it's it's more like an experience that you would have if you went with a friend on a boat. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, I've followed around some of the tour boats, and they've got a, a narrated, I, I would imagine, scripted yeah. uh, tour of this is that that that's this historic site, and you obviously you give them that information, yeah, well, but it's not that good. Good question. So um, I would define, you know, sight sailing is um, is a, it's a combination of sailing with leisurely sightseeing. So we always point out like three major sites that you're going to see. You know, if you leave the harbor and enter the bay, we'll tell people about Fort Adams. We'll tell people about Hammersmith Farm. We'll tell people about Clingstone. Um, if they're interested, you know, when we're out sailing and we're going up towards the bridge, you know, we'll, there's there's so much eye candy out on the harbor and bay. So, Absolutely. you know, we can talk a blue streak about the history of the bridge, Rose Island, Jamestown, Castle Hill, Horsehead. And sometimes, you know, and the captains all know it. And, and some people love that stuff, you know. Right. So we sort of feel them out. Um, if it's a bachelorette party, they're usually just listening to music. And we don't, <laughs> we don't get in a word edgewise. But um, people generally like, I mean, um, generally like you know us pointing out they don't they don't want it to be a canned mm-hmm. you know rehearsed tour like on your left on your right and whatnot and we don't do that and we don't go um you know maybe on starlight the o'day we'll sail people down into brenton's cove and the captain knows the history of ida lewis harbor court bonnie crest Beachbound, beacon rock you know the mule barn mm-hmm. all that stuff but on a quidnick because she's sort of limited, you don't want to sure. go barreling through the mooring field, you know, quick way to make <laughs> enemies, <laughs> you know, everybody's swallowing their drink up at the end of Lewis. Um, yeah, so we don't usually do what, what we call the Better Homes and Gardens Tour. That's that we leave that to uh, right. some of the other boats. So, But yeah, you know, I, I enjoy, I really, really enjoy um, meeting people and showing people 
Newport Harbor and Narragansett Bay, you know, a lot of the people we take out, it's uh, an impulse buy. Um, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, we get a lot of, like, we do a lot of, like, you know, adv- you know, the, the online booking is always going up, but just because of where we're located right there mm-hmm. on the wharf, you know, there's a sign that'll say, next sale, 2 o'clock, and it's a sunny day, and you get people that are walking around. And it's amazing. Some of these people, you know, they, like, they had no idea they were about to go sailing, <laughs> and all of a sudden they buy a ticket, and... Ten minutes later, you're like, you know, we're raising sail, and all of a sudden there goes, like, Courageous and Intrepid and Weatherly going by. And we'll, sure. we'll point out, you know, those boats, you know, the history of the 12 meters, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, here goes, like, a, a Volvo boat going by, right. you know, or here goes, you know, you'll see all these, like, it's incredible, like, the amount of... Um, yeah, you one know, minute they're walking on a wharf looking out. Yeah, the one minute they're like... Eating. The next minute they're immersed in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes, you know, and we'll let them, especially on Sight Sailor, which is really responsive, you know, we'll offer people the wheel. And all of a sudden, 10 minutes earlier, they were like, you know, looking for a piece of fudge on the wharf. <laughs> and 10 minutes later, they're like, they're like hot-dogging it to the morning. Well, not to the mooring field. But, you know, like, you know, they're... they're, they're on the edge up. of the mooring field. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing what made Newport famous. I mean, so we give them that ability to, like, get out on the boat, see the harbor. Do some sail. Yeah, it's fun. It's um, it's a lot of work, but at it, right. it, it, its core, I mean, like, it beats. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun business to run. What do you, what do you have for a, a hurricane plan? I imagine you've been in business long enough that we've had <laughs> threats. I know what it's like with one sailboat to <laughs> scratch my head and go, "What if? The plan. You know, who should I call? Should right. I get in line? Should I haul out?" So we need to have it's, four. It's a ship, S H I P ship show. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so what we've done the past, it's actually worked out pretty well. Like, so um, the plan is always evolving, you know, depending upon the, you know, track of and predicted path of the storm. But um, when it looks like there's going to be a close call, uh, we store the boats for the winter up at New England Boat Works, and NEB probably has one of the best, most protected basins um, in Rhode Island. So you enter that protected sort of marina. Mm-hmm. And what's really nice is that the pilings are super high. And, um, so you're protected from like, you, you could have a 15 foot storm surge and you'd probably be okay. So down at the wharf, um, we usually pull out of there because you might be protected from the wind, but the pilings are really short. So, you know, right. the finger pier would just float off and you'd get sort of piled up in there. So when things look, uh, like we're going to have a pretty coast call, we've, um, and sometimes, you know, like I'll put the O'Day just out on a mooring and like double up the mooring lines and extra chafe here. But Sight Sailor is so light and tender. We'll put her up at NEB. And a Quidnick is such a, has so much windage. And I mean, you know, you'd hate to see that thing go, yeah, right. get loose and go like, <laughs> like a cannonball through the harbor, yeah. take everything out in its path. You, you mentioned that you get a lot of bachelorette parties. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you ever remember. I happened to be on the harbor one evening and <laughs> this plane went by. And uh, you mentioned your close-by competitors. Uh, a few days later, I caught up with the captain of one of those boats, and we were preparing notes, and he saw it too. In fact, it was a, a banner trailing from an airplane saying, Will you marry me, comma, they had good punctuation, Will you marry me, bitch? <laughs> and he threw a shot, this other captain, also named John, threw a shot at his deckhand, like... As if to say, did you get any heads up on this? Is there anyone on the boat about to propose that I need to know about? Yeah. And they just kind of shrugged and looked at each other, confused. And a few days later, we like we were talking about it at a local watering hole that we all used to frequent. Yeah. And as it turned out, that was a part of the movie, Me, Myself, and Irene. Oh, and it was yeah. the end scene. And I, it, if, I think if you go on YouTube, you can find the clip. 
where Jim Carrey's character proposes to uh, Renee Zellweger yeah. out on Ocean Drive, and they were filming it that day, and the plane happened to fly across. Oh my God! As many wow. as many of boats like yours were doing uh, a sunset sail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so uh, there were some people confused that it was a rather unusual proposal at best. Right, right, you know? right. Oh my God, that's all. That's I don't know if you saw that or if you're out on the water. No, I don't think I was. Uh, I think I'd remember that. So that's incredible. If you could go back in time, where and when would you go? Oh my God, that's a tough question. And it could be either for sailing or for anything. Hmm. Yeah, for sailing, uh, you know. Uh, I think that allows me to zero in a little bit. Um, if I could go back in time to, I think it would be cool to be around in the days of uh, when, like, the Harishoff Manufacturing Company was at full steam up in Bristol and, you know, sail on a J-boat with, <laughs> you know, a gang of people. And uh, that's when sailing was really a lot of work, you know? Right. I mean, oh, like, yeah. oh, my God, like, tons of sails and heavy sails and people clamoring around and... Um, you know, and, I, and the other end of the spectrum, I think that what's happened lately with, uh, you know, like these foiling boats, I mean, like we're just seeing like, like it, huge advancements, leaps and bounds. Um, you know, there was, we were out there for the Volvo and a lot of people saw that there's like a new foiling, uh, sort of catamaran motorboat. The that's out in the harbor. Yeah. I saw that. With electric engines, you know, and, um, there's a company up in Bristol, I can't recall their name right now, but they've got a production foiling cat. Um, that's pretty low price. So um, you I know. saw one when I was kayaking out to my boat on the point, and it, I think, I don't know if it was red, but it, it just went by without any wake. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was the one with electric drives. That you're I, I think yeah. it is, yeah. I think there's only one. And, you know, it's amazing. I mean, that that's a first-generation boat, and, they'll, you know, those will improve incrementally every year. So it's pretty cool. Who, who would you cite as someone who has been a positive influence or even a mentor in this endeavor of yours, in this project? Huh. Um, geez. You mentioned your father earlier. Yeah, yeah. Although certainly. you really just wanted the boat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I was lucky. My, uh, my parents had a small boat, um, and then they had an, got an ensign, which, um, so, you know, I grew up sailing. Actually, um, you know, this this place is near and dear to my heart because I learned to sail here at the Newport Yacht Club. Right, um, so did you I. Know, yeah, yeah. So if it wasn't for you know the Newport Yacht Club and uh, you know getting booted booted out of the house by my parents for the summer, <laughs> let's just drop them off at the yacht club. And we were terrible. I mean, I think we were like there was a gang of us, and we we raised a lot of hell, and you know we did all sorts of things that we shouldn't have done. Um, so yeah, so learned to sail here, and yeah, we were we were you know it was probably about four or five of us, and we were we were a wild bunch. We were always getting into trouble. And uh... who's your favorite waterfront character, and why? Oh man! Now we've met some some beauties over the day. Yeah, boy, there's a lot of them. Um, well, let's see, just you know, people that come to my mind. Uh, well, Mike Musil certainly. Um, I mean, he's a uh, well, probably like the, the the Godfather of Newport Harbor. <laughs> He's great. Um, I think of uh, Ron Fatuli, who um, it lives two doors away from where I live in Middletown, and he's still kicking. And uh, you know, um, I think that he. I think that actually, when my dad was the Commodore here at the Newport Yacht Club, this goes way back. 
but he had to get Ron Fatuli to move all his fishing boats out of Long Wharf, and basically, because the club was over there, and they were moving, and then they, they ended up over at Bowen's Wharf. But, um, I don't know, we've got a lot of people around Newport Harbor that are... Uh, um, Interesting. Yeah, I mean, and there's some that are <laughs> interesting in other ways, uh, <laughs> but... Um, yeah, and, and certainly Bart Dunbar. Um, Bart's, uh, I mean, building the Oliver Hazard Perry was yeah. huge. I mean, kudos to Bart and the rest of that team for pulling that off. That was a monumental challenge. And, yeah, and uh, she's on her way back up. I yeah, think last I yeah. Saw she was in you know, I mean, that, 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 that really puts Rhode Island on the map, and we'll put Rhode Island on the map for, for decades. And um, so uh, I think we, we have a lot of people here. And, and then, you know, like... Uh, Oh, I don't know, off the top of my head, you know, the Newport Shipyard crew and Charlie Dana and uh, what he did and Don Glassy and David Ray and all those guys mm. in really in keeping keeping the shipyard going and making sure that that, that just didn't turn into another hotel or yeah, condominium that, development. That would have ruined. That. Yeah, we had, we, you know, like this harbor would have, would, would have been so much better had we not had all this rampant development in the 80s and if it had been kept more of like a working waterfront, um, that would have been great. But... Hey, here we are. Yeah. It's a segment I call, Is It Necessary? All right. In my business, we, we often come across products that somebody invents because they think the world needs a better mousetrap mm-hmm. or a mousetrap at all. Yeah. And Or they, they, they attempt to solve problems that a lot of sailors shrug their shoulders at. And uh, one of them is sailing gloves. <laughs> now, do you think that's necessary? I, mean, you know, I know racers funny. like them, but yeah. a lot of friends of mine... Kind of. Well, know. you know, I uh, I have a couple of pairs of sailing gloves that are like kept well hidden, and um, I think I used to use them when I was younger. Certainly in the winter, actually, you know, in the winter time when you go frostbiting, everybody's wearing gloves. But I found that the best uh, winter gloves you just for sailing you just get at like Newport Hardware store, and they're like five bucks. You don't have to get the right. sixty dollar Henry Lloyd Douglas Gill ones at West Marine or whatever. Um, but sailing gloves, whenever somebody shows up on the schooner, a new crew with sailing gloves, they're just like, no, yeah. no, no, no. Those can't be used. You know, you got to, like, toughen up your hands. So. And that's a lot where I got that from is sailing with guys on old wood boats. And it was... Uh, a, yeah, it was a, for, for, for Bowdoin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it was for Bowdoin. Yeah. yeah. You know, you got to, like, toughen up your hands. You got you to feel the line, son. Have you ever run aground? Oh, Yeah. I mean, you know, if you haven't run aground, you haven't really sailed. Yeah, let's see. But uh, not on one of your charter boats. No, actually, no. once I, I did run, like, a sight sailor. Oh, this was, oh, my God. So there's nothing, like, there's nothing more horrifying than running a metal boat aground. It makes a sound, like, it's not like a glass boat just goes crunch. It goes, like, kabang. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, loud. So, yeah, so I hit, there's a sort of a pinnacle off a of clingstone. I was, I was, like, sailing, and I was just thinking to myself, Time to tack. You're getting and bam, you know, Ooh. and uh, and we got stuck on it for a little while, but it was great. I had a bunch of like Australians on board, yep. and they all like they said, "I oh, just let the boom out, mate." And they all got up <laughs> on the boom, and we kind of like they got to the end of the boom. We just kind of like almost like kind of like almost like taking an anchor and kedging the boat off, oh, you sure. know. And um, so yeah, so and then it ran aground like you know up in the spindle area once, like you know, yeah. kind of like asleep, not on a chart, just like sailing by myself and. And, you know, my rule is, like, you know, hey, when you don't see any other mooring balls or, like, even, like, a lobster pot here, you, you know, you That's probably, a sign. That's a sign that you find, yeah. you know, you look over the side and you see seaweed coming up. It's like, thud. Well, you, you've been around long enough. This is trivia. Do you yeah. remember 
the name of the tanker that caused the oil spill off Breton Reef in oh. the early 90s. I think it was 1991. Yeah. Um, God. I was just thinking of the other day. Actually, I had to look it up. Like, yeah. Is it something Argo or something? World like? Prodigy. Well, World Prodigy, yeah. right. I, you know, I remember where I was when, I, when, when that happened. Uh, so I was sitting in my car at the traffic light at Bellevue Avenue, and um, suddenly, like, there was just this smell of diesel, like, wafting through the air. Yep. And that it was from the World Prodigy, you know? Yeah, that was something yeah. else. That was yeah. my second year in business, basically. Really? Yeah, so oh, I, I started in 1990. In- and okay. it was 91 that happened. And I thought that my summer was going to be over, you know, mm. that nobody would want to go sailing in Narragansett Bay in an oil slick. I remember after that incident, um, everybody was very sensitive to any smell of oil on the water, on the harbor. Yeah. yeah we would always get calls, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it left a sheen. You could see, especially in Mackerel Cove, you could see, a, you know, a, like an oil line on the rocks for the longest time. That was something else. Well, you, you said you had a steel boat. Have you ever had to use a torch on it? <laughs> No, I mean, do uh, do that sort so, of you know, it's interesting. So, so Equidnik is steel and Sight Sailor is aluminum. So, um, I've learned a lot about metal boats, um, over the years and, uh, you know, their, their pros and cons and, um, you know, obviously they're, they're two, two different materials. So there's things that you do with each of them, but, um, let's see. No, well, torch, let's see. Yeah, we did, we did saws all off the keel of Sight Sailor. And put a new keel on her. And New England Boatworks did that, and um, and I've done a lot of grinding. <laughs> I've done I've done a lot of like really dirty work. Like I'll do work that I that's so bad that I wouldn't ask any, certainly any of my employees to do because I would think that they'd be like, well, I don't know, this job isn't all it's cracked up. So, so, did so like I don't mind getting my hands like I will like I've been in the bilge with the grinder like six inches from my face right. and all like you know suited up and like you know like it's kind of like. Uh, I don't know. I don't shy away from uh, getting my hands dirty. So, as the business owner, I mean, does your crew just show up for the the, the glory stuff, or <laughs> you know, they, sometimes did, did when I, I really some years like some years I've been lucky. Like some some people are really good in the boat yard. You can usually kind of figure it out. Like they're handy. Maybe they maybe their family had a boat and they worked on their family's boat, and you know they can handle power tools. They know how to do basic painting and whatnot. But there's other people that are like, and they're great. I mean, they've got like maybe great hospitality skills, but in the boatyard, I mean, like, just like you see them and you're like, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, you, it's just, it's going to take me longer to like explain it to you 10 times. And, um, but, you know, some years we've had great guys in the boatyard and, and women too. And, um, you know, that's a nice thing. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's nice winter work. And there's a, I mean, I think that this year was one of the biggest yard periods in uh, recent history. I mean, I was out at the boatyard almost seven days a week for like two months. We had a lot of really big projects, and um, you really, really push hard to have everything launched by like early to mid-May. Because once like a quidnit comes down to the waterfront, you know, and your other boats are still up in Portsmouth, and then you're like pulled in two different directions so we really push and you know it's get everything in sync yeah and it's hard because you know you're working a lot of times you're working outdoors in new england in you know late march early april right you know you're dealing with the elements and whatnot so you really get pretty good at planning the work and you know what can be done inside and what has to wait so but it's always a it's always a big press towards the uh you know to get ready for opening day what what's your favorite cove or harbor 
around here? Um, well, uh, I would say the two that come to mind certainly probably depends on wind conditions, but deep, deep, way up in Brenton's Cove is beautiful, you know? I mean, you get up there in a southwesterly and it's calm and it's quiet, swimming is great. Um, but I also think it's hard you're hard pressed to find a prettier place than Mackerel Cove too, you know? Mm. Um, and that's fun. That's a fun sort of destination. You leave the Harbor and, you know, short tack up the channel and then pull into the Cove and pick up some empty <laughs> mooring. Hope nobody yells at you. Hope um, nobody comes back too. Right. Soon. Right. Yeah. Don't yeah. leave your boat unattended. Um, yeah. So those are two that come to mind. Um, you know, and I think it's, I think it's just so great how much, it's just so fun to go day sailing out of Newport, you know, I mean, mm. um, you know, sometimes you just, you know, go out to Beaver Tail or go up. We had a lot of sailing here is great. No doubt about it. Never gets old. We talked about the Ensign in the early days. Yeah. Was that your first adventure on a boat or was it at the Yacht Club when you were learning to sail with the, the Yacht Club folks? Um, so my first adventure, well, yeah, so I learned to sail here at the Newport Yacht Club. Uh, I don't know when I was maybe, I don't know what the age was, but maybe eight or ten. And, you know, you spent a season in turnabouts. Yep. And then you progressed to, to like, 420s. And then I think that second or third season, you started doing, like, uh, junior, junior race week, you know, NBYA stuff. And um, there was a group of us. And, uh, you know, I think he was about, the, the, the boys to beat were always the Reed brothers from Barrington. Boy, Kenny Reed. Obviously. Yeah. Yes. You know, there was this, always this guy, oh, yeah, you got to go. And, and so... My friend John Hughes' brother Carter was a really good racer, and he used to beat Kenny, you know, half the time and whatnot, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you know, the best sailors got their start in you know small boats, dinghies, and then the ones who like raced at college and whatnot and really got a lot of you know, right? You know, just every afternoon doing tons of starts and mark roundings and whatnot. That's where some of the best sailors really honed their skills. What was the original name of the trophy that is now known as the America's Cup? Oh, uh, 100 Guinea Cup. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Perfect. All right. Yeah. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. You got that one. Yeah. And who was the first person to lose the America's Cup? Dennis Connor. Absolutely. Yeah. And his boat, you know, it's his boat Freedom is sitting out at New England Boat Works. It's That's, there now. Yeah. Right. That was the, the last, wow. that was the, well, the last boat to win the Cup was Freedom, and then Liberty lost it. All right. Who would you rather be stuck in a storm with offshore, Russell Crowe or Kurt Russell? Now think about those two individuals and Russell Crowe or <laughs> Kurt Russell. Oh man, I think I'd take Russell Crowe. Who's the first woman to sail single-handed around the world? Um, good question. Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I do. I do remember. Uh, remember, like I think her name was Tanya Aby. Yeah. Um, she, she was much later. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Say the name. Naomi James. Oh no, I wouldn't have yeah. done that. Yeah. How, what year was that? Uh, if it wasn't late seventies, I'd have to look it up. Was it either late seventies? She sailed single-handedly around yeah, the world. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Do you know what the king spoke is? Yes, king spoke is uh, the spoke on the wheel that is at the top of the wheel when the rudder is centered. Absolutely. Boy, you're nailing this trivia. I'll see if I can get you with this one. What does CQR stand for? <laughs> well, it's an anchor. Yes, that's uh, right. My knowledge. I can tell you what it's shaped like, uh, but no. Um, I did not know this until recently when I looked it up. It it stands for continuous coastal quick release anchor. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, the, also, secure. It's like a double 
name. Oh, yeah. CQR, Secure. Secure, sure. But then the, the actual letters. Coastal CQR. Quick Release. Coastal Interesting. Quick Release. Yeah. yeah, I did not know that. I thought it was just some yeah. you know, independent name. Interesting. So here's a question for you because you've right. spent a lot of time. Yeah, so speaking it. of anchors, so um, what is the recommended anchor for like if you're anchoring up in uh, you know the anchorage area of Newport Harbor? What do you think is the best sort of holding? Uh, well, assuming that the wind doesn't change, yeah, uh, the Danforths hold pretty well. Um, yeah. but I would say the Bruce anchor, yeah, uh, or the at least now they they have uh, Bruce the patent wore out, so it's the claw. Yeah, uh, they have that basic tree three. Uh, prongs anchor that digs well into mud. Yeah. Um, I think the brilliance of it is is that if the wind shifts, it oh. rocks over on one anchor on one uh, fluke, fluke. Yeah. and reset reorients itself and then resets. Right. Unlike the Danforth, which you just barely which just kind of pops up and you yeah. you hope for the best. Um, I would say that uh, the the biggest of all the experiences I had with folks dragging anchor the the best experience is that whoever has all chain doesn't move that's the secret all chain, yeah and when folks come in and ask for recommendation oh, how much chain do i need overwhelmingly they want to hear the least amount possible uh which is uh, oh, often, yeah. <laughs> often goes from a comical six to twelve feet to you know 15 yeah. but re- the reality is i mean i have all chain on my by primary right. and you have um what is your i mean probably like there was a lot of um pushback at one point when they came up with those new anchor regulations, you know, mm. like two weeks maximum. I know that there were people that worked for me, as his name, he's on the Harbor Commission. Oh, God, I can't think of his name. Having a senior moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't but, know. Yeah, I never understood why they why they did that. You know what else is uh, interesting? It's like, you know, the, the big challenge here is, and this isn't something that could be solved overnight, but like, if somebody could figure something out, like sometimes people say to me, "Oh, I'm going to buy a boat and I'm going to keep it in Newport," and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> where are you going to keep it if you thought this through? Because there's yeah. no more unless you just rent a mooring, you know, like the wait list to get a mooring." And I, I waited eleven years. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I don't know whether there's a way between here and they to like rearrange or somehow get more boats. Like, you, but it would, it would be so expensive to like change the layout or something. But you know. Imagine if you could get more boats into the harbor and what that would do in, in the short term for, like, boat sales, you know, right. because, yeah. you know, you, you can only either keep it at Sail Newport or, or, or I guess you could rent a commercial mooring or something like that, but it's a challenge. But most of your, the people that come and visit you, they're, they're, they're tourists who landed, arrived oh, on yeah. land. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For my business, it wouldn't make a difference, no. you know. You know, the biggest determinant or variable in my business is the weather. Um, if you have a season where it rains every weekend, <laughs> you know, you're crying in your soup. But generally, like, statistically, the season is just long enough that you can have a, a really uh, a, a bad May and then October is spectacular. And that's actually what happened last year. Like, May was terrible. But I don't know if you remember, like, last October, the weather was beautiful. I know. I mean, we had one of the best octobers we've had in like you know 10 years so six months it usually just works works out i mean you know we've uh you know sometimes a hurricane scare will set you back for right. a week or something like that but uh in july and august we have a lot of really pretty good weather oh, last last year i have it in my logbook because i brought my um boat in here for winter storage and i think it was early november and I, lo- I logged it. It was 70 degrees. Oh, yeah. And sunny. Yeah. And well, I think it was, was November 3rd. 
or something. Yeah, that was that was October was just you know spectacular. It was beautiful. So you're the, the old myth of you know Newport ending the summer season ending in September when kids go back to school. That's really September. I think is the, I think September is the best month to visit yeah. visit Newport because yeah the, you know the crowds are gone more or less. Right. Um, college kids are gone. Kid, kids are in high school, but the weather's still great. Uh, there's good breezes. Um, you know, all the restaurants and bars are open, so the smart money's on September. <laughs> September, yeah. yeah, for sure. So, as we're talking about weather and the environment, do you feel that the, the boating industry, or at least your uh, experience with it, does enough to preserve the environment that we all enjoy, or or do you think we just sort of use it and walk away? I think uh, I think within the past like five years, there's been a big push. Um, and I know that sight sailing and the other companies, and I think a lot of uh, private boat owners are much more aware of, uh, particularly like plastic. And, right. Um, you know, we have gone done away with selling plastic water bottles. Um, oh, that's big. Yeah. yeah, I remember coolers on charter boats filled. Yeah, with yeah, we're plastic we're water getting bottles. a we're getting a point of use bottleless water dispenser. And, uh, and obviously the plastic bag ban in Newport, right. you know, you don't see plastic trash bags floating around anymore. And I know that a lot of, um, you know, boat owners were trying like, you know, biodiesel and whatnot. Mm. And, uh, every, it, have it, you it, done that? I have not done no. that yet. Um, I don't know why, but, uh, you know, we certainly could. Um, but I think that everybody, it does, it, it takes so little effort to, you know, make, 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 maintain a clean environment and, uh. And certainly we have a pristine environment here that we want to preserve. Absolutely. If folks want to get in touch with you, what's the best way uh, for, for a chart? You know, yeah, sure. Uh, so they can go to Sight Sailing, S-I-G-H-T, sightsailing.com, yep. and uh, book online. Or, you know, there's videos that they can watch on the website. There's a big That was a good video. Gallery. I saw that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Who put that together for you? Uh, Jim Egan up on uh, Toro Street, who's nice. uh, yeah, a videographer and um, photographer. It was brilliant because it had a lot of nice old images superimposed with your narration about what yeah. you do. It was I, think there's, I think there's a video for each boat. Oh, there is. There's a video yeah. for, like, a Quidnick Sight Sailor and Starlight, and then there's just an overall video of me sort of touting what a great place Newport and Narragansett sure. Bay are to, to sail. So, Excellent. So yeah. the, the be- that's the best way through your website. Yeah, the yeah. website. My number is there. And like you can you book know, online. You can book online. My number is there. If somebody wants information on like pricing on chartering a Quidnick, they can either email or my cell phone number is there. And um, excellent. And we get back to them really quickly. And uh, yeah. So awesome. Well, yeah. thank you for your time. Thank you very Appreciate much. It. Yeah. Awesome.